Matthew chapter 5. Father, we love you. You are awesome. We gather together in your house tonight asking you to speak to us. We pray that you would open the scriptures to us, make them come alive. We want to glorify your name and your name alone. Lord, speak to us. There's a message here for us, and I pray that you would help us to see it. I need your help as I teach. I cannot even begin to teach without you. So I pray that you would just work in and through me for your glory. And Lord, we just want you, we want you to do something incredible through Shawnee Hills Baptist Church for your honor and your glory. Again, help me, Lord. I cannot do this without you. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus has just begun his earthly ministry. Prior to this, he had been to John the Baptist. He had been baptized. From there, he went into the wilderness. In the wilderness, you know what happened. He was tempted of the devil, but yet without sin. From there, he goes on preaching in the villages and the towns, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And along the way, and this is important that you understand this background because it, it's, it's pertinent to what the end message is. Along the way, he encounters some men that he is going to call to be his disciples. He comes alongside the Sea of Galilee, and there are two fishermen, Peter, Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Incredibly, the Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus goes on down the way a little further, and he runs into the sons of thunder, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And to them he says, follow me. And immediately they left the boat, their father, and they followed him. Jesus went from there into Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing all manner of sickness, all diseases. Now, why is that important? It's important because I want you to see that these disciples that Jesus called, they will see, they will hear all of his teachings. They will hear every one of his teachings. And I will tell you this. The primary target audience will be these disciples. Not the crowd. The crowd will hear, but his primary target audience will be the disciple. Why? Because to the disciples, not to the crowd, to the disciples later he says, I'm going to weigh in greater things you will do. Jesus is going to leave them here on this earth. And they're going to take the gospel around the world. And the gospel found us. 
because of their ministry. And so it's important to understand as we look at this where Jesus begins his teaching. Jesus begins by teaching about true happiness. True happiness. Notice in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. It wasn't the multitudes. Jesus saw the multitudes. He went away from the multitudes up onto the mountain, and he sat down, and he taught the disciples. There's a distinction made between the disciples and the multitudes. Now, the multitudes will filter down as he begins to teach. But again... He has a targeted audience. He's talking to his disciples. He is teaching them. The Bible says, Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, And the first teaching he says to them is blessed. Blessed. Jesus is going to instruct them on true happiness. Because I will tell you this. The world knows very little about true happiness. Very little. The divorce rate in Hollywood is higher than the divorce rate of any other sector of life. Suicide, drugs, alcohol, all higher in Hollywood. And everyone thinks the pinnacle of success in our land is becoming a big famous movie. Now it's famous YouTubers. My, my son watches guys who do goofy things, blow up things, and they have a great audience and they make millions because they have so many YouTube followers. This is, blows my mind. How in the world they have this? And, and a lot of kids grow up and they think, man, I could really be happy if I were a YouTube influencer and I had all these people watching me do stupid stuff. No. No. I've heard people tell me, Pastor, I will be so happy when I... You fill in the blank. I remember as a kid, I thought, man, I will be so happy when I get my driver's license. When I first got my driver's license, Mom, Dad, you need anything from the store? I'm your man. I'll go to the store. I would go to the store anytime. About two months later, I'm like, do I have to go to the store? I remember, I will be so happy when I get out of this stupid high school. I'll be so happy when I get out of basic training, when I get out of AIT. I'll be so happy when I get out of college. I'll be so, all these things, it was elusive. The happiness never came because it was always out there. And that's the point. Jesus wants us to know that happiness is not out there. Happiness is in here. It's in here. Chapters 5 through 7 make up what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of three major discourses Jesus gives in Matthew. Jesus starts with his disciples and his first teaching to them is the teaching of truly being happy. Now listen to me. There are problems of pursuing happiness. I want to give you four major problems real quick with pursuing happiness. Number one, we don't know what makes us happy. One day, this makes us happy, and the next day, that no longer makes us happy. We want something else to make us happy. 
And the problem with pursuing happiness is we're always pursuing happiness because happiness is not tangible. But we think it needs to be tangible. So we fill our life with all these tangible things thinking this will make me happy. But it doesn't. We don't even know what makes us happy. Number two, we don't even know what happiness is. We can't define happiness. We think we know what happiness is, but let your child ask you, what does it mean to be happy? Don't you just love when your kids ask you questions and you're supposed to know the answer and you think you know the answer, but you can't explain the answer. It's like, well, it's like, I mean, it's, it's you know, like if you get a prize and, and, and you have that feeling, oh, so what you're telling them is that when they get something and that feeling they have, that's happiness, that's true happiness. So now they always want something. Right? Every Christmas, guys fight over Tickle Me Elmo. Grown-up men fight over Tickle Me Elmo so they can give their kid the latest and greatest the next thing. And most of the kids, small kids, are enamored with the box and the paper. And they play with one toy and they open another one. And when they get done opening them, all their gifts are like, where's the other gifts? Is that all? And that's what we do as adults. We go from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. And then we say, is that all? One fellow said, it seems like to me, the only time I'm ever happy is when I'm drinking. I said, sir, that is alcohol lying to you. Alcohol's a liar. Alcohol's a liar. Why? Because alcohol, that happiness only lasts as long as that buzz does. And when that buzz is gone, you lose that happiness. And what do you do? You pick up another bottle and you drink it again. You'll not find happiness in that. Because we don't even know what happiness is. Number three, happiness is an elusive <clears throat> goal. If your goal is happiness, you'll never attain it. Why? Because you're going to seek and try everything under the sun to find happiness. Solomon did that. Solomon had everything in the world he wanted. 700 concubines and wives. Can you imagine that many mother-in-laws? And they say he was the wisest man. I have to take issue with that. Now, I love my mother-in-law. I say that publicly. I have a great mother-in-law. But let me just tell you this. Let me tell you this. Happiness is an elusive goal. At the end of Solomon's life, when he took those pagan wives and God told him not to take the pagan wives, he took them anyways. He, God said, when you take those pagan wives, what's going to happen is they're going to turn your heart away from God and turn your heart to idols. And guess what happened? Solomon took pagan wives. They turned his heart from God to idols and he actually built two altars to two different gods in two different towns. That's Solomon. At the end of his life, Solomon writes, Vanity of vanities. All is vanity in Ecclesiastes. I searched for the meaning of life under everything under the sun, and I found out his conclusion of the whole matter is, happiness is not found in anything on the face of this earth. If you pursue happiness as a goal, it is elusive, and you will never, ever, ever find it. And number four, there's a price to pay for pursuing happiness. There is a price to pay for pursuing happiness. Why? Because you never, you never reach it. You never reach it. Happiness is not a goal. It's a byproduct. Listen to this. Patrick Warren's PhD says this. We place our happiness somewhere off in the future. 
and therefore we're never, never able to enjoy where we are now because we're always thinking we're only going to be happy when we get to be, when we get to do, or we have something. Did you, hit, did you get that? Even people, secular psychologists, which is what this gentleman is, will tell you, you will never get it because it's all out there in the distance. Can you see the problems of chasing happiness? None of these things will produce happiness. I will tell you this. Jesus was happy. Jesus was happy. Jesus told his disciples, he says, the foxes have dens, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a house. He didn't have a nice donkey. He didn't have a Cadillac donkey. He walked everywhere he went. It is said that Jesus never traveled more, any more, than in a 200-mile radius. He was happy. Jesus was happy because he wasn't pursuing happiness. He was pursuing the will of God. So what is the definition of happiness? In the text we see in verse 3, blessed. This word blessed means happy. It means blissful. It means joyous. It means ecstatic. Now let me just say something to you. I hear people saying all the time, well, you know, joy is different from happiness because happiness um, depends on happenings. Well, that's pretty good, but Jesus is telling us that you can be happy. So Jesus is telling us that we as believers should be happy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus, when he knows he's going to be betrayed, he sits down with the disciples and he says this, I want my joy to remain in you and be full. He knows he's going to the cross. So it has nothing to do with happenings. Happiness has everything to do with your relationship to Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it. Jesus, through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, defines happiness by the Word of God. So the Word of God and its usage of happiness is what's going to define for us what the Word of God means. First of all, happiness comes from our relationship to Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to turn to Psalm? It'll be on the screen. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. I want you to listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Happy is the man who has a relationship with the Lord. You and I will never be happy if we're not following Jesus. Jesus called the disciples. He said, follow me. And he sits them down and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Jesus is going to show us how we can be happy. And if you're a man that walks or a woman that walks in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, you will never be happy. Christians, you will never be happy if you're not in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't. I've met some miserable Christians and they're mad at God. And they're saying, you know, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that because God didn't do this or God didn't do that. Let me tell you something. How's that working for you? It's not working very well. No, you're eating, your soul's been eaten up with your bitterness and you are the one that's suffering and you will never get to the place of happiness unless you're right with the Lord. I've had people tell me, and I don't know why when they find out I'm a pastor, a pastor, the, a pastor. I am a pastor too. A pastor, uh, when, I find, when they find out I'm a pastor, they're like, they want to just tell me all their sins. Like, I'm not a priest. You know what I mean? I'm not a priest. But they want to bear it all out of soul. And, you know, you know, uh, you know, I had this, this you know, affair with this woman. Man, she really makes me happy. She doesn't make you happy. She can't make you happy. What you're feeling is not happiness. What you're feeling is not blessed. What you're feeling is is an elation. And that's going to pass. You can never have happiness unless you're right with the Lord. That's why Jesus is speaking to the disciples because they are following Him. Not everyone in the crowd is following Him. And not everyone in the crowd is going to be happy. Why? Because not everyone in the crowd is going to follow Him. Yet most Christians act like they've been sucking on persimmons. Let me tell you about Jesus. Come be miserable like me. What in the world does somebody want to know Jesus, that kind of Jesus? Right? I mean, seriously. I preached a revival Monday and Tuesday. Monday night I met a fellow. And uh, this fellow was like, he's like, man, he, he was going to the church I was preaching at and he was talking to me and he, he said, you know, I feel different in this church. He said, I've never been around people that, 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 that care about me. And I said, it's wonderful, isn't it? And in through our, our conversation, he said, you know, I, I said, are you saved? He said, no, I'm not there yet. He said, I want to be, and I'm, I'm moving towards it, but I, I want to get some things right. And, and so I prayed with him and stuff, and we had church, and after church, I went back and talked to him again. After I preached, I went back and was talking to him, and we began to carry on a conversation. And he said, man, I'm overwhelmed right now. He said, I just don't know how to understand this. And I said, I understand. Talk to me. What's wrong? And he said, well, uh, you know, I feel like I want to come to church and I want to learn more and, and, and before I get saved. And I said, you'll never get saved. See, the devil wants you. I said, you're putting the cart before the horse, man. The devil wants you. He wants you all mixed up, confused, and saying, I got to do this. I got to do that before I can get saved. No, you don't. You got to surrender yourself to Christ and believe in Jesus. You got to repent. You got to change your mind about Christ. And through our conversations, it kept going on and on and on. And, and he was kind of, he wasn't getting flustered, but man, I could see he was troubled. And I said, Listen, if Jesus Christ will take you the way you are right now, will you have him as your Lord and Savior? And he said, Yes. I mean, he said it like that. He said, I, I, Yes. And I said, well, Let's pray right now. And we prayed. And afterwards, man, he just had big crocodile tears. He hugged me and about squeezed the devil out of me. 
His wife was right there. She was crying. I mean, it was wonderful things. It was a wonderful thing. Well, I leave and I go back. And then last night I went back to preach again. And here he comes. I said, man, you got a haircut. He said, yes, I did. And he said, you'll never believe what happened. He said, I was in the barber shop and I was telling the barber about this and how, how I got saved and everything. And this barber said, well, he was done wrong at a church. And I mean, he just had this glow. And he said, I just told him that, man, listen, I don't know anything about all that stuff, but I just know this. Jesus loves you, and if, you'll have, if, if he'll take you just the way you are, you'll have him as your Lord and Savior. He'll take you today. And he said, I got up, and I paid that guy, and I gave him a big hug, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, he said, preacher, it feels good. I said, it feels great, doesn't it? And his wife, they were just so, so wonderful. And I was leaving, and she said, hey, Kenny. I turned around, and she said, thank you for answering the call all those years ago. I said, you thank Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for you. And I said, listen, guys, listen to me. I want you to know this. He found happiness. You know how he found happiness? He said, he said I left Monday night. He was telling me this last night. He said, I left Monday night. He said, I got in my car, and I was driving. And he said, I was thinking all these questions. And he said, I was crying. And he said, man, I was thinking. And all of a sudden, one after one, all these questions just started going away. Just started going away. He came, he had a smile, he had a Bible under his hand, had a fresh haircut. That has nothing to do with it. He just had a nice looking haircut. I just want to say that. But, I mean, he had a glow about him. And his wife had a glow about him. She said, you know, since 2018, I've been praying for him to get saved. And my parents have been praying for him to get saved. That faithful wife prayed for him since 2018 when she met him. Now listen, happiness only comes from the Lord only comes from the Lord, guys. Number two, happiness comes from our standing in Christ. Oh, I love looking at words in the Bible. Psalm 32, 1. Oh, my goodness. This is just wonderful. This is too good. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, my friend, listen. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, and that makes me happy. Anybody in here ever do something you don't want nobody to know about? Amen. Anybody here do something you're, you're, you look back on your life and you think, my goodness, why in the world would I ever do something like that? Sure, we all do. You know what? When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, and listen, all those were covered under the blood. What sin? There is no more sin. Matter of fact, all your future sins are paid for. You say, well, what if I mess up? Well, if you mess up and you sin, the Bible says if you confess your sins, Jesus... He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus and you sin, you will have conviction and you confess that conviction and you will be forgiven and repent. You will walk in freedom. See, a lot of people confess their sin, but they don't repent. Repentance is not just when you get saved. Repentance is when you get saved, but repentance is for every day of your life when God brings something up in your life that's not right with Him and you repent of that you change your mind. You agree with what God's saying. That's what keeps you from doing the same old sins over and over. Confession forgives and clears, cleanses. But repentance keeps you from doing it over and over and over and over again. And our happiness comes from our standing in Christ. Do you know that Romans chapter 8 says, Now, there is now no 
condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You stand before Jesus Christ forgiven. You stand before God forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. That is happiness. And if you're not happy about that today, you will be when you stand before Him face to face. You will be. That is happiness. We've got to recover this word. We've got to recover this word. This word is not for the world. This word is for the believer. And it is a good thing to be a believer. And it is great to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It means that I have happiness. I have joy in my soul. My transgressions are forgiven. My sin is covered under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Number three, happiness comes from our Christ-like character. If you go back to Matthew chapter 5 with me again. Matthew chapter 5. Nine times Jesus says blessed in 12 verses. Nine times in 12 verses. Now, when we teach the Bible study method, the method of Bible study I learned in college, it's the method I've taught you all. One of the things that we're to look for when we study Scripture are words that are repeated. If Jesus says it one time, it's... it's means everything. If he says it two times, it means everything. If he says it nine times, I think he wants us to pay attention, doesn't he? Nine times. Do you know that this word is used 50 times in the Bible? Blessed is used 50 times in the Bible. 50 times God wants us to know that we can be happy. We can be happy. You don't have to be a prude to be a Christian. You don't have to be a grouch to be a Christian. You can be happy. Jesus personifies all this Christ-like character. In these 12 verses, each one of these characteristics, when he says, blessed are those, blessed are those. And by the way, there's, in the original Greek, there's no verbs. So it would read more like this, blessed poor in spirit. So what he's trying to say, it's not something you do, it's something you are. Get it? It's something you are, not something you're doing. So happiness comes from our Christ-like character. And Jesus personifies all of this. Jesus was happy, so be like Jesus. Be happy. Be happy. My poor wife. I wake up in the morning and I've been asleep for a few hours and have had no one to talk to. How would you like that first thing in the morning? She's like, can I just drink my coffee? (laughs) Listen, church, be happy. Jesus was happy. Now I will tell you this. In all these things, none of these words, none of these things that Jesus teaches us, he does not tie happiness to, to money, financial stability, He doesn't uh, attach happiness to uh, your social standing, your family name. He doesn't attach happiness to any material possession, any position on this earth, secularly, career, anything like that. None of those things. Because all those things are temporal. All of those things are temporal. But these characteristics of Christ... 
that Jesus wants us to know that if we have these characteristics on our inside, we will be happy. Now, don't be foolish. There's going to be times when we go through very difficult things, and you may have these characteristics on side, inside of you, and you may be going through the most challenging thing you've ever gone through in your life. And you don't have to say, oh, I'm going through the worst challenge of my life, but I'm so happy. You don't have to be that way. God knows your heart. But I will tell you this. If you're a happy person, defined as the Bible says you're happy, you'll have these characteristics in your life. I've met some people who have gone through the most difficult times in their life and they were able to smile and praise the Lord and be kind to everybody and serve the Lord anyway. There might be some of you in this room that are going through a challenge that none of us knows anything about. As a matter of fact, I would venture to say that everyone in this room has a secret challenge, something that weighs on your mind, that weighs on your heart. You can still be happy in the midst of that. You can. Now, I'm not getting into all of those tonight, and you're saying hallelujah because we're here all night, but I want to give you just about four things real quickly of application from this. Number one, we will never be truly happy apart from Jesus Christ. Never. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can fill your life with a bunch of stuff. It will not make you happy. It will not make you happy. We, we by nature... Humans, by nature, we want things. We get one thing. We want another thing. One of that's how these companies understand. That's how come they have cell phones. What do they do? They they uh, they're going to release a new new phone. You got to get it. And the only thing different is they put another uh, camera on it. Isn't it interesting? A cell phone will do everything but make a phone call. <laughs> you ever heard that? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, isn't it the truth? You'll never be happy apart from Jesus Christ. Some of the most happy people I've ever met have nothing in, in, in the eyes of this world, but they have everything in Jesus Christ. Some of the happiest people I've ever met, I've met missionaries who had nothing. They live in third world countries. They own nothing. They walk everywhere they go. And they have a love for Jesus and they have a love for each other and they're just as happy as a pig in flock. Has nothing to do with the externals. We will never be truly happy apart from Jesus Christ. Number two, we will never be happy chasing happiness. You won't do it. If someone comes to me for counseling and I say, why do you two want to get married, married premarital counseling? And they say, well, he, he makes me happy. I'll say, we got to talk. We got to talk. Because when you get married, he's going to make you unhappy when he leaves his underwear laying on the floor. When he leaves a toilet seat up, you have makeup, brushes all over the counter, you got hair dryers, and he leaves a toilet seat up, and it's a, it's a conniption. One of the things when you've been in a church for 20 years, you can say things like that anymore, and it don't bother you, because you know, by now, they're just going to let you go. But I'm serious. I will look at you, and I will tell you, you cannot... Expect your spouse to make you happy. You're putting a burden that that spouse cannot bear. They can't make you happy. Only Jesus will make you happy. Only these characteristics in your life will make you happy. But if you're always chasing happiness, you'll never be satisfied with your job. You'll never be satisfied with your home. You'll never be satisfied with your spouse. You'll never be satisfied. 
Number three, we'll never be happy chasing things, right? How many of us have said, man, if I had that, that would make me happy? We were down at Myrtle Beach last week, and I just, there's something about the beach. I don't care. I know some people don't like the beach, but God put a love in my heart for the beach. I love the ocean. I love the sand. I love the heat. I love it. And we were <clears throat> driving down this back road, man, and I saw this boat. And I slowed down and looked at this boat. I have never seen a prettier boat in all my life. That boat must have been about 30 feet long, and it had two outboard motors on the back, two, looked like 250s, maybe a 150, I don't know, but they were huge. And I thought, man, that was the prettiest blue I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, man, if I had that boat, I'd be so happy. And guess what I would call it? I would call it visitation. Where's the pastor? He's out on visitation. And I would be happy for about 30 days until I got the first payment notice. And then I'd be real unhappy. That's perhaps why Jesus doesn't let us know when the rapture is. Because a lot of us will be out buying boats and trucks and everything. we got a month, man. We can beat this. Let's go. We'll leave it for the tribulation crowd. That ain't right. I'm sorry. That ain't right. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. We'll never be happy chasing things, guys. It's one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. No sooner does the newness, the new smell wear off, we want another one. Chasing happiness is elusive. It's always out there. It's never right here. And you can only truly be happy right here. Number four, Jesus wants us to be happy. Jesus doesn't want us loathing life. As a matter of fact, He wants us to represent Him well in this world. He wants us to be happy. In the midst of a world where things are turned upside down, I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. I'm reading a book that is probably one of the most eye-opening books I've read in many years. It's called Return of the Gods, little g-o-d-s, by Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn is a uh, prophetic scholar, but he's, uh, he has Jewish Middle Eastern descent, so he actually knows Hebrew language, he knows Greek. And, and uh, in this book, he's talking about how when the gospel came to fruition and the, the gospel went out, they tore down, in Israel, they tore down all these altars and all these false gods, and they shut them out and they forced them out of society. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, if I cast out a demon and something good doesn't come in, then that demon will go out and get seven more spirits and return to its home. And he's talking about, and it'll be worse in the latter. And he's talking about, in the 60s, how the door was open for these gods to return back. And he takes the ancient gods, and you can see them, and he lays it out. These gods, the demonic forces that have come in through the 60s into America, and how they're blinding the eyes of some in government, they're blinding the eyes of the, the institutions, they're targeting children. There's no excuse for the confusion. They say there's, they're, they're acknowledging 
in, in, in the um, secular world, they're acknowledging, acknowledging 72 different genders. There's only two. Biblically, there's only two. And guys, listen to me. And some of these people are being deceived. We got to love them and we got to reach them with the gospel. And we, the church needs to quit chasing happiness itself. Quit trying to be the biggest. Quit trying to have the best. And get back to reaching men and women one person at a time with the gospel. I've been convicted. I'm trying to carry gospel tracts. I'm trying to witness to people more personally than not just behind the pulpit, but witness to people. I'm trying to do better at that. And Jesus wants us to be happy. I looked up there at church camp this year and I saw all the people serving. I saw all the kids laughing and having a good time. And I thought, this is living. This is living. Some guy goes out, gets drunk, he's, he's get, he drinks till he's sick, he comes home, he don't know what he did, he's thrown up, next day he's all, that's not living. You call that living? No, I'll tell you what's living. Living is serving Jesus. It's going over there on Wednesday night and walking in there and seeing all these kids in Awana. That's living. That's happiness. Hearing about one of those coming to faith in Jesus Christ, that's living. And our church explodes in applause because it's the best news ever. That's living. Serving the Lord is happiness. And Jesus wants us to be happy. I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Too many churches are arguing over the stupid stuff that doesn't matter. We need to open the door and love people. They may not look like us. They may not smell like us. Who cares? They have a soul. They're going to spend somewhere in eternity. And if you want to know happiness, you get involved in the work of Jesus and we will be happy. But we start saying, well, i got to get out of church in time because such and such is coming on TV. Or I want to do this. Or I won't come to church Sunday because I've got to do this and it's the only day I can do this. Well, you run around and do all that you want. And when they're hooking machines up to you because you're stressed out and you think you're having a heart attack, you tell me how happy you are. Chasing these things do not make us happy. Having more of the world does not make us happy. <coughs> I'll tell you what makes us happy. Being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ makes us happy. 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 I was praying about Sunday nights. I, 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 uh, I was praying awful hard about it because uh, we're kind of down on Sunday nights. And I was thinking about it. Sunday school used to be so well attended in here. But when we went to a full-fledged Sunday school on Sunday nights and people were eager to hear the Word of God, and now everything's taking precedence. And I know you're here and I'm not preaching to you. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. You want to know why the church is not as happy as the church used to be? I'll tell you why. Because we let everything else steal our joy. We let everything else rob us of our joy. And I, I, I just think, man, the closer I am to Jesus, the happier I am. Do I still worry about things? Yes. I'm a recovering worrier. I may not even be recovering. And I know it's sin, and I'm asking God to forgive me. I'm asking Him to, to work on me. 
But I want to tell you this. I know who butters my bread. I know that because Jesus is the only reason I have anything. I know that. And I would like to see a revival break out in our church. People happy. Sister Vicky was playing Sunday morning before church. The praise team had quit practicing. And she was playing the piano and it was upbeat and it was nice. And people were fellowshipping and walking around. I was standing back there. Man, I thought, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. Everyone seemed to just be enjoying themselves and having such joy and having such a good time. That's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus wants us to be happy. And he's given us a whole discourse on how we can be happy. So remember that song, that great theological work. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. But remember, you'll only be happy if you're right with Jesus. Can we bow just for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes closed. Oh, preacher.